Well, we're going to start with Mark this morning. We're going to do the first three chapters. And there's a lot in here. We're going to try to hit on some points this morning. And our, our whole thought behind these chapters and, and books in Mark is to, to just uh, see the authority, the everlasting life of God, and how do we respond then to that authority. Who do we give authority to? And this gospel starts out, Mark is, is, is a young man who had his trials and tribulations. He's not as well known as some of the other gospel writers to us most of the time. But God uses the people he chooses to put down his words, to spread his word. And he can use each one of us if we'll just give ourselves to him. Uh, Mark started off in kind of a rocky situation, and he uh, was with Barnabas and Paul, and he kind of deserted them at a point, and then that caused kind of a dissension in them between the two, and they split up. I have to believe that part of this was God's plan, part of it is because God can take any situation in us and make good come out of it. And look at the people that was reached because of that. Later on, as we go through and we, we follow Mark through there at the last, and 2 Timothy 4.11 tells us that, that uh, Paul actually asked for Mark to be brought to the prison to be beside of him because he was worthy of the ministry. He was going to help Paul in the ministry. So there had been a reconciliation. There had been growth. There had been this everlasting uh, uh, obedience. And that obedience in Mark changed his life to be a great disciple. And then later on, God chose him to write the words. Um, obedience is such a passed over word a lot of times because we use it kind of obscurely a lot, kind of like love, we throw it around, it's not used wisely sometimes. Obedience takes on a lot of faces. And we can use it, and if we're true in it, true obedience to God can take away fear, worry, grief, disappointment, and anything that's holding us back from truly following God. Just simple trust and obedience. Because all-powerful God and obedience, submission to God, puts us in the realm that he allows us then to be able to be molded. When we hold back, when we're not obedient, we don't trust, there's a pride in us somewhere that's keeping us away from God. If we've got the pride in us, God can't come in and fill us. If we have the pride in us, he can't mold us because scripture says, who's the ball of clay that tells the potter, make me this way? Or why did you make me this way? 
Trust God to know exactly why he made you the way he did. Trust him to guide, direct, to mold. Don't try to tell him how to do it. We open Mark, and it says, This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah. What a wonderful aspect to think of on any morning as you're getting up the good news. The good news. The good news of Christ coming to save even me. The Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare a way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way, for the Lord is coming. Clear the road for him. We see in Isaiah uh, chapter 40, the first part of chapter 40 in Isaiah literally tells this whole story. And it expounds on it more than Mark does, but he refers back to it to say, see, God has had this planned for a long time. This is the messenger he's sending. But aren't each one of us a messenger? Can't we be that light in the darkness? Is God calling us? Are we prepared to then go with that and be that messenger and give all authority and all reverence to Christ, God the Father. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did as we follow on down here. In verse 4, this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness, and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Takes that turning. That's what repent means. It means to turn. We're going to turn away from sin, but what are we turning to? We've got to turn to God. We've got to make the complete turn. Because anything less than the complete turn is not repentance. It's just confession. And we can confess every single day, but the true repentance is the complete turn the complete giving God the glory for it and being on our knees to make that change that says, here I am. I'm open to you. All of Judea, verse 5, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River, his clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore leather belt around his waist for food. He ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, John announced, remember that. Verse 7, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater, I am not even worthy to step down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. How great is that? To know that we are baptized by that Holy Spirit. To be covered with that Holy Spirit. To guide, direct, comfort, and point to Christ the Savior. The good news 
is not only preached by John the Baptist, Jesus comes on the scene at this point in Mark, and it tells of, of his obedience to the Father, giving all authority to the Father, giving all praise to the Father, as he goes through those things that God asks each one of them, repent and be baptized. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, and the Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. But he's given all glory to the Father. In verse 14, we see this. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. See the turn there? We preach the precious good news of Christ. Christ turns around and he preaches the good news of God the Father. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The good news of God the Father. We're going to turn back to Isaiah for a minute because it's so profound when we look at these verses. The first part of 40, it tells that story of John the Baptist. And then it goes on and it says in verse Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40, verse 12, The Lord has no equals. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about the, what is good? Did someone teach him what was right or show him the path of justice? No, for all nations of the world are but a drop in a bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All that would be Lebanon's forests and Lebanon land would not be enough to make burnt offerings worthy of our God. The greatness of God far expounds what we can even imagine sometimes. But this word gives us some of those details, some of those insights, a glimpse of it, of just how powerful, knowing, loving the true God is. Jesus comes on the scene. He submits all authority to God. And then... Uh, other Gospels then go in to show this depth as he moves on through his life and through his ministry. We see that Jesus Christ himself is leaving no wiggle room to know that he come only solely for the Father. And the first verse, and, and we know it well, is in Matthew and it's Matthew 49 or Matthew 14 29 and 30 
and that's not the right one. We'll get the right one here, 26 through 39. He went on a little farther, and this is when just before his crucifixion. And it says he went on a little farther. This is Jesus. This is Matthew 26, verse 39. Bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. John 6, 35-39 says, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. 1 Corinthians 15.28 1 Corinthians 15.28 Then when our, all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his Son authority over, over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. What grace verses just to show the power, the love, the generosity, all these attributes that God gives us every single day. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges to, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. Are we willing to take that step towards Christ? To lay our lives out? To be poured out wine, as Paul said? To give everything we have to humble ourselves before God the Father? Or are we holding back? Are we holding on to that pride? Hebrews 5, 7 through 8. Hebrews 5, 7 through 8. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers, pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence of God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Do we learn obedience going through this life? Or are we treading through it on this surface that we can't quite understand sometimes? It's interesting. We, we, we say we trust God. We say all of these things that, that sound good. But when life takes a turn sometimes, uh, we, we kind of second guess what's happening here. We've seen Peter 
do this as, you know, he's in the boat. And he said, Lord, let me come to you. Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out on the water. But he did just like every one of us has done. I'm sure I know I've done it. Jesus said, come. I'm looking right at him. I take that step. One thing happens. One thing happens. I start looking around. And I lose sight of Christ. And that's what Peter did. He was walking towards Christ on the water. And yet, a wave came, a little wind, and he turned away. And he started to sink. But Christ was still there. When we call out to Christ, he will reach down and he will lift us up. He will lift us up. But we have to have the obedience. We have to have the belief. We have to know and understand that truly God is there. God is all. And we are not. We are not. Only through Christ Jesus do we come before the Father. And what a blessing that is in our lives. What a blessing. Because somewhere, sometime, each one of us sitting here today has felt that draw, that constant guiding, that constant beckoning for each one of us to come into the loving arms of Christ. What a wonderful, glorious thing that is. So, we see God, we see Christ giving God the authority. Then we've got to come back, who do we give authority to? In our lives, what do we give authority to? It's interesting as we look around, you know, just what we, especially on a day where the time has changed. How many of us give authority to that clock, that time in our lives? How about the calendar? How many of us give that authority to the calendar? Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Checkbook. Job. Spouse kids you know all of these things are important things and all of them have a place in our lives but we have to give the authority the reverence the peace the joy the understanding that Christ Jesus himself gives everything every one of these things Jesus doles out to us through the Holy Spirit to use them wisely, to love them passionately, and to keep them close, each one. But God has got to be first. God has got to be first. He deserves every ounce of our authority, not one of these other things. Because as we go through life, if we give one thing this authority, It's that crack that Satan so loves to see in our relationship with Christ. And if he sees that little flaw, that gives him the opportunity to say, ah, my job is done here and move on because he knows it's in there. Then 
our own minds, our own thoughts, our own selfish desires take over. And we have just given our authority to Satan and ourselves. We've taken it off of God. We've pulled it away. And say, you're not worthy. Now that's a hard one to take when I look at my own discrepancies in life. Because that's what we truly do. We truly take that authority away from God. And we put it somewhere else. And that's a sad thing. That's sad. So how do we respond then to this authority? How do we respond when God calls? We go back to Mark and, and we, look at the, uh, we, we look at the first disciples. And it's interesting that in all these accounts of the disciples, and we, we see the first ones in Mark, in verse six, chapter 1, verse 16, and it said one day Jesus was walking along, and, and he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon, his brother, and Andrew throwing their nets. Jesus called out to them, Come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. When's the last time Jesus called and said, go do this, and we just dropped what we were doing and went and did it? That's a hard one sometimes, because we think, we like to think that, oh yeah, yeah, I, I went and did that. But almost every time as I thought back, as I was looking at this, when was the last time I just stopped what I was doing? And went and followed Christ. Go do this. And I'll go, oh, man, i got a meeting i got to get to. And, and, you know, I've got to go do this. I've got to go do that. And, and I was, as I was making that out and thinking to myself how to do this, and, and a few guys meet on Saturday mornings usually, and, and it's interesting how we've become guys that... that we meet, it's early, things didn't get done, and, and we're sitting there and we're just, just diving into Scripture and we're just feeding on it. And sometimes we've been at this for two to three hours and somebody says, man, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to get my chores done because I didn't do them this morning. And we start looking at the clock and at and, and one point we were... We were all standing around. We'd all got up. We were standing around the table, and we're still talking about Scripture. We're doing this, and we're just tearing ourselves away to go. What a good feeling that is when we got groups like that involved in Christ that, that just thoroughly can't hardly tear ourselves away from the Word, to just be so involved in it. That's Christ. All these other things get taken care of, and guys... They commit a lot, and they, they take detours so they can actually make time for it. But it's great to have these small groups that can do that and really get involved in giving God the authority and just reaching out, seeking. You know, David said in, in Psalms that, you know, we need to seek after God as the deer panteth after water. And that's a, 
that's a strange saying to, to a lot of folks who, who haven't seen this. I've actually seen it personally to see these deer, and they do. They're just panting. They're down, and, and they're just seeking that, that pool of water. And it's something to see, and that's, I think that's why David used it, because it's so graphic that we would be so determined, so forthright, so wanting the water, that we will do anything possible to get to it, to get to the core and the seed of what Christ wants us to do and what he wants us to see. We've seen a lot in Mark of the different attitudes, um, We've seen Christ's uh, authority over demons because he does a lot of healing. We see his, his uh, authority over death. We see his authority over sickness. He has complete authority. And in fact, in many Gospels, it tells us that Christ did this to show his authority. He can do it. The Holy Spirit can do it. And sometimes he even uses us to be there as that vessel to put that word out, to shine that light through all of these circumstances. So how do we respond? How do we assert this authority? How do we, how do we grasp a hold of it and, and, and just seize on to the day, as it were, of all of this stuff that God can do. And, and, but we see a lot of people following Jesus in different ways. We've even seen it in, in this Gospel of Mark. We see that some people, as he's preaching, as he's teaching, as he's walking along, they're truly amazed. And we do that a lot of times in our lives. We get truly amazed and we're just excited at the beginning, but then as life goes on day to day, that kind of slips away sometimes because we need that excitement in this way or that way. If we keep our sights on Christ, that's the excitement. That's the glory. That's the power in all of this. We don't have it. God says, no one seeks me, but he seeks everyone. He's the one that's drawing us. He's the one that's claiming, hey, come to me. But it's interesting as Christ is walking along these beaches and along these paths and he runs across these future disciples and apostles, he never pleads. And there's a difference. He's always calling. He's always beckoning. He's always drawing us near. But he will not force us. He wants us to submit, to give in, to give the glory to him. To just bear ourselves in front of him. Give our all to him. You know, Jesus doesn't want to be part of our lives. He wants to be everything in our life. And when we let him be everything in our life, just like the promise, just like the promise, then he, in turn, gives us anything and everything as his will as his will gives us not mine 
I can go before Christ every day with this laundry list of things, but my plea is always your will. Your will. Because I tend to lean towards my selfish desires. I want what Christ desires in my life. You know, people approach Christ, and they did in the Old Testament. We do it today. We see it in, as Christ came along in, in his ministry and everything. You know, people were amazed, people were frightened, people were angry. People even disgusted by Christ himself. But look at people today in different situations when we just mention the word of God. Sometimes they're just totally put off. Other times they look back. And sometimes they just get angry. But guess what? Is that going to stop us? Did it stop Jesus? No. He just kept going. Because... It's the only way. It is the truth and the light. So we, we look at these things and we, we, we ask Christ to, to envelop us. And, and yet, sometimes we, we hear the call, we take the step, but then all of a sudden we have second thoughts. Something's happening. Something's going on. It was interesting in Luke when we went through Luke you know, and, and Christ shows the opposite side of those disciples who followed him. You know, he says, uh, what's the cost of being a disciple? And he goes through some of these scriptures, and you can write these down. Um, Luke nine fifty-seven through 62, and Luke fourteen fifteen through 20, shows the other side in both of these uh, sections of scripture, shows that when God called... We have people saying, oh, you know, I can't. I, I just had a new baby, and I've I got to go take care of this. Oh, i I, I got this piece of ground i got to take care of. And One says, oh, you know, i got to go bury my father. And, and Christ, in essence, says, you know, uh, all of these things will be taken care of. Follow me. Follow me. And yet we come up with every kind of excuse Every kind of excuse not to follow Christ. We don't like to say that. We don't like to do that. But we do, a lot of times, push back the Holy Spirit when he's beckoning us to do that. So are we a fan or are we a follower? We went through a series like that, and I think it's so profound. You know, fans are great cheers. We, we love to be the fan of the Bears or the Eagles or any of those, whatever those other ones are, you know. We, we root them on until that quarterback makes a mistake. Then, you know, some of us even change teams sometimes because guess what? <laughs> they, they just messed up my psyche here. I'm going to go somebody that's winning. So we, we love the teams that are winning, and sometimes we'll switch sides just because they're winning. We'll start following them. Christ is always winning. Christ is always on top. Be on his team. Be that cheerful fan as you're following. We don't necessarily, most of the time, mix the two, but if you see it, 
you know, how many times as followers of Christ, we don't see none of the fan in them? It's just quiet. No, I'll worship Christ in the back hall. Or I'll worship Christ at home. But I won't be bold and step out there as John the Baptist did and just herald the good news. Put it out to everybody, everywhere, every time. In Matthew 28, 20, the Great Commission, he says, after he says to go and, and reach out to people and give them the good news, he said, then teach them to obey every commandment I have given you. Sometimes we draw a line there because we want to be that fan of Christ, but don't ask me to do anything. Don't have me step up. Don't have me step forward. Don't have me be a part of this because I am serving. I am worshiping. I, you know what? I in there is very small. I submit could be the best I you could ever give Christ. I give all to Christ, every last drop. A lot of people, a lot in these things, says, no, you know, God loves me right where I'm at. God loves me right where I'm at. There's one place God doesn't want you to be, and that's right where you're at. Because if you're right where you're at, you're not moving you're not walking forward with Christ. I didn't see anything anywhere where God just left everybody alone right where they're at. He says, no, come to me. That takes action. That takes movement. That takes an aggressive thirst for Christ, that hunger that we just can't get rid of. It's got to be Christ and Christ alone. But we can't do it from the backstage. We can't do it behind the scenes. He wants us to be bold, not arrogant, not proud, just bold knowing that Christ is the only way and that promise is real. So what's our response? First of all, we see the authority of Christ. How do we respond to that? And do we respond with commitment? Or do we just respond with words? And there's a big difference. In Mark 1, 23 and 24, the demons knew who Jesus was, and they trembled. They said, we know you are the Lord. The religious leaders knew Jesus, and they were outraged. That's Mark 3, 1 through 6. The crowd saw Jesus. Some of them were amazed, and that's 1, 22 through 27. The disciples were committed. Big difference. Big difference. The amazement falls off, and we've seen that 
in the Gospels when Jesus fed the 5,000 and then when he starts preaching the Gospel, they all left. They all left. And at one point he even said to his disciples, are you going to leave me too? Are we following Jesus just to get that next thing? Are we following Jesus just to feel good? You know, following Jesus is not an emotion and it's not a feeling. Following Jesus is a commitment. And Jesus doesn't promise us a bed of roses. What he does promise us is peace and joy through the tribulation. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What kind of peace is that in our lives when we don't have to fear anything? Nothing. Not hunger. Not clothes. Not a roof over our head. Not the weather. Not the mountains crumbling as it says. It says, trust in Christ and you will be free. And that freedom from that fear, that freedom from all of that worry, how can we worry about tomorrow when we don't know what the next second will bring? We could step out of here this morning and the world crumble. Are we ready for that? Now we're not asking for that. We're not condoning that in any way. God still has it in His hand, but if it does... We're saying, here I am, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. I trust you through every last thing in my life. Death, destruction, whatever. And that takes that personal relationship to do that. This is a solitary choice. This is strictly between your heart and God. Totally. We can encourage each other. We can lift each other up. We can pray for each other. We can walk with each other. But we cannot make you change your heart. I can't change any one of you. You can't change me. But Christ can. Christ can. Open that heart to him. Totally your choice. Totally your choice. So how do you respond to the authority of God? The God Almighty. Are we a fan? Follower? Are we amazed? Are we angry? Or, as in Revelation, are we lukewarm? We're in that spot of, you know what, I'm just okay. I'm just okay. I want God to never let me be okay. I want that draw every single day. That knowledge and that understanding that I thirst and I hunger for Christ and Christ alone. I don't want to be passive. I want to be vibrant and alive in Christ all the time. And that's tough. It's tough because we make it tough. Christ says, give me, give me your burden. Take up my yoke. It's light. It's easy. 
when we put everything on there. That's the freedom of Christ in us every single day, every single hour. It's just letting him take care of it. You know, uh, we go up to the cross and, and, and we put a lot of things there. I've, you know, come before the cross and, and just, just put myriads of things right there in my life. And tomorrow morning I'm going back going, I want to take that one back. I want to take that one back. You can't take them back. You've got to leave them at the feet of Christ. You've got to leave them there. Jesus is calling each one of us to be fishers of men. Are we following up on that? Are we doing that? Have we committed to that? You know, so many times... We come to church, we come to small groups just to be better people. Jesus is calling us to be fishers of men. To reach out, to be the light. All of these things that it's all focusing on Christ. When we meet Jesus Christ every morning, because Jesus Christ said every morning is a new day. A new day. A new day in Him. Are we truly seeing that? Are we dying to ourselves every morning in Christ? Are we giving up to Him every last thing every morning? Or we have we hanging on to something that happened yesterday? Whatever happened yesterday is gone. We can't change it. We can't bring it back. Leave it there. Start the new day. Repent. Turn. Give it all to Christ. Uh, as Jesus is talking to you for the first time, you know, some of you here this morning may have never seen, may have never committed your lives to Christ. But maybe you've been here for a long time and you've never committed your life to Christ. And that's a lot different than asking Christ in your heart. It's got to be a commitment. It's got to be that sole desire of you to give everything up for Christ. If you've never committed, make today today. Make today today. You know, we usually we call for the invitation and we think about that new person who's never given their life to Christ. What about that mature person that's been here every single Sunday for 10 years and yet has never committed their lives to Christ. Each and every person has to make that design in their lives. They have to make that thought that, wait a minute, maybe I haven't given my life to Christ. Choose Jesus today. Give Him all authority in your life. Trust and obey Him. Your life will change literally forever forever we're not talking about for a week we're talking for a life of eternity your life can change he says when you accept me when you commit to me you will be a new person and that new person is glorious because Christ then is living in us Trust and obey, for there's no other way.
I'm asking, pleading with you this morning, if you've never committed your life to Christ, that total submission, that total surrender, make today today. You know, you've, you've got to go home, open that Bible up this week, go through it, look at it, study it, live it, live it out. Every word is precious. Precious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Just touch our hearts today as you do as you want, that we may do your will, that we may truly trust and obey. Lord, we praise you, we thank you, in Jesus' precious name, amen.